Can you turn with me please in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1 this morning as we begin a new series of studies for Sunday mornings on the theme of prayer. And over these next six weeks together we'll be examining three of the best known prayers of the Apostle Paul and we'll be looking at three parts of the Old Testament book of the Psalms where prayer is given a priority. And so we'll be focusing on the significance, importance, and the transforming power that prayer brings into our lives. And so we're reading the words of the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus, beginning at chapter 1, verse 15. The Apostle writes these words, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and in his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised us from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us this reading from his holy word. Earlier this week, I received an email that was a description of how second graders perceive grandparents. And the question in essence was this, what is a grandparent? And so the children responded, a grandpa is a grandma, but a man. (laughs) And I think that's fairly accurate. Number two, even though grandmas are usually fat, they still bend down to tie our shoelaces. Grannies are pretty cool. Number three, when I sleep over, they wear funny clothes. And they are extremely funny when you are six and seven. Grandparents know that we can have sweets before bedtime. They like praying with us and kissing us even when we misbehave. And that's true as well, of course. And my best and favorite, my grandma lives at the airport. And when we need her, we pick her up from there, and when we're ready for her to leave, we take her back there. (laughs) Seeing ourselves through children's eyes is just so much fun, of course. That theme of perception, seeing things, is where I want to go to kick off our study this morning. So let me ask you, as you look forward towards the unfolding of 2022, how do you see the year working out? Some of us will have children in the family for the first time. Some of us will give birth for the first time. 
Others will become grandparents and great-grands for the first time. And those are always magical moments of great celebration and joy and expectation when new life arrives in a family in the form of a wee baby. Others of us will plan to retire later this year. Some of us will plan to move house, go for promotion at work. Some of us will be planning a family wedding, planning for some of our children to go to school for the first time, or our older children to college for the first time. Some will graduate college for the first time. And in the midst of all of the natural rhythms and seasons of life, what has been your New Year resolution amidst all of this? What are the things you said this time last Saturday and Sunday, if there's one thing I want to achieve in 2022, it's this. Some of us, and I include myself in there, felt that we needed to lose the extra weight we gained over Thanksgiving and Christmas. Others of us decided to go the extra step and join a gym. Some of us have said in 2022, I want to do this, that, the other. But probably by Tuesday or Wednesday this past week, our determination to lose those extra couple of pounds in the first week kind of, well, kind of drifted a little. And that's okay. There's still plenty of time. So don't be too discouraged. But when daily activities, scheduling, the distractions of everyday life come into our lives, well, those New Year resolutions get a little harder, do they not? So let me probe a little deeper and allow me to ask one of those uncomfortable personal questions that fall into the category of being fearless, searching questions. And let me ask, are you closer to Christ in January 22 than you were this time last year? Is your prayer life richer? Is it more exciting? Are those moments of prayer times you nourish and nurture and can't wait to engage the presence of God with? Or is it that over the last 12 months, for whatever reason, you have kind of drifted a little. Not quite where you were last year and certainly not quite where you want to be. But have you put in place any goals, objectives, hopes, dreams for your faith in 2022? And if you're a little uncertain... Come with me, please, into Ephesians chapter 1 to a remarkable prayer from the Apostle Paul and to immerse ourselves in what is one of the greatest prayers of all Scripture. And if you were saying to me, Richard, I like what you're saying, I'm hearing it, I agree with it, Quite honestly, if I really had a desire this year in my faith, this is what I would hope for. I would hope that God would make me instantly mature, 
and intellectually astute in my faith. I would wish to be morally flawless, spiritually wise, know what to do in every situation or every challenge that comes my way. I'd like to be a model of faithful obedience and uninhibited prayer. That's what I would long for. Now, later this year, I will marry a number of couples. And as you can imagine, when I first meet a couple who are thinking of getting married and we have three one-hour sessions together, those times are very precious as I get to know the couple a little and they tell me about themselves and their background and why they want to get married and what they're looking forward to the most. And those couples know that in a relationship there is no such thing as being instantly mature. In a relationship you can't become instantly, intellectually astute, fully aware of all that's going on at the same time. You don't become morally flawless overnight, spiritually wise, a model of faithful obedience and uninhibited faith, because it's a relationship. It takes time. It takes determination. It takes purpose and dedication. It takes moments when you say, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. What was I thinking? Please forgive me. Likewise in our faith, it takes time. As God puts his hand upon you, draws you into a deeper relationship, begins to shape and fashion you, it takes time. And those moments are conceived and birthed and matured in the character of your prayer life. They are not instant. There's no magic wand. There's no ABC formula. There's no simple equation to make it happen. It takes hard work, determination, and a longing to grow in our faith. And the Apostle Paul knows exactly that. As he writes to the folks in Ephesians, look at it, verse 15, he says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. Now remember who is writing here. This is the Apostle Paul. Paul is in a Roman prison cell, arrested for his faith, about to go on trial for his life, and he mentions almost none of that in writing to the church at at Ephesus. Because Paul understands this, that genuine authentic, heartfelt, God-inspired prayer is not about himself, but about others. And it causes him to focus in a manner that he would not focus if he were simply going about his daily life. And he's praying for the folks in Ephesus and saying, I want the very best for you, and the best I can possibly do for you 
is to pray for you, asking that God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. When you were coming to church this morning, what was on your mind? Were you busy looking at your watch, making sure you'd be in time? Praying you'd find a parking spot? Praying that it wouldn't rain? Hoping that you would get in in good time and find a seat and it would be a good service? Or were you thinking about all the activities of last week, events later today, or in the week to come? Or I wonder if deep down in your soul there was that heart-passionate cry, Father, I want to know you better. I want to walk with you in 2022. I want to change my ways in order that deep, abiding intimacy with you will be a reality, not just a description. Equip me, enable me, empower me with the mighty power Paul is talking about here that I might know you better in that richer, deeper, fuller way we often talk about on Sunday morning. Was that your prayer? Was that your deepest longing as a resolution for a new year? And was it your deepest prayer for those who are graduating college this year, about to be married, seeking a new home, promotion, retirement, getting married? Is there a greater, better prayer? that they might know you better, sense his presence, his enabling grace, his tender touch, the reassurance of his spirit. That's what Paul is praying for. This is not some conventional prayer. He's not praying in this manner out of courtesy or tradition. This isn't Paul on a Monday morning while he's looking in the mirror and getting ready for the day saying, Father, bless the folks in Ephesus. This is heartfelt wrestling in prayer. If I was to ask you this morning, describe for me what prayer truly is. Where would you begin? How would you do that? Would it simply be talking to God? It certainly is that. Spending time in his presence, it certainly is that. But it's so much more than that. Genuine prayer is an encounter with the ineffable character and nature of God himself. That's a privilege we have. Combined with an intimate conversation of reciprocal love. Defined by a deep dependency on him while wrapped up in adoration of him who is. Not was, not will be, but is. He's all those other things, but is. When the disciples said to Jesus, Master, teach us how to pray. What did he say? 
our Father. Father! A genuine encounter with the ineffable character and nature of God himself. What a privilege! What an unbelievable privilege! Pleasure! And we sometimes forget that. We sometimes take it for granted. And having said what prayer is, let's say what it's not. Prayer is never the solitary explanation of our own subjectivity. And I would have to confess that some days I fall into that trap. Focused on myself, my needs, my wants. Reflecting on God everything that's running through my mind, rather than, Father, shape me, fashion me, create in me a hunger for you, a deep, passionate desire that I might be more Christ-like and live out my faith day by day by day. Grant me wisdom. Open the eyes of my heart. Speak into my life. Reveal yourself from your word. Give me wisdom to live out my faith. But I end up simply reflecting my own wants and desires. Prayer is never solitary explanation of our own subjectivity. Prayer is awe and intimacy. It's struggle and reality. What do we do? How do we respond when we pray and pray and pray and pray and it feels as if our prayers are hitting off the ceiling and God is not listening? On a Saturday morning after Thanksgiving, I woke up with a very sore throat, a bit of a fever, fatigue that kind of knocked me out for several days, and I've been struggling with it since. I've had a low-grade fever for six weeks. I'm changing pyjamas during the night because the fever is rising. I've seen some excellent doctors, immunologists, infectious diseases, my own internists. I've been tested from tip to toe. There is nothing there that they can find. Gone through CT scans, blood tests, uh, chest x-rays. What is that thing that expectant moms get? Ultrasound, thank you. And I'm not expecting, so that was reassuring, I have to tell you. So that was good news. And I've discovered that doctors say about 40% of adults at some point in their life have a fever of unknown origin. And it usually lasts six, eight weeks, and then it lifts, and you'll be fine, and I've every confidence I'll be fine. But why hasn't God lifted the fever? Why hasn't he restored me to health? I'm praying, my family's praying, lots of friends are praying. But I'll tell you this, as a result of that fever, I have spent more time on my knees in his presence. With awe and intimacy and struggle and reality. And it has taught me so much. That's genuine, heartfelt, real prayer. Is that the prayer you long for? Be careful what you ask for. Because prayer is an encounter with God that not only involves the affections of the heart, but also the convictions of the mind. Knowing, knowing that he's a loving, heavenly Father.
And his best is for you. Conviction of the mind, affections of the heart. And it's in those moments of deep, real, heartfelt struggle, wrestle and intimacy with prayer that he retunes our deepest affections. And in so doing, become resolutions. And you may be saying, okay, Richard, I'm hearing what you're saying. I get it. I understand all I think what Paul is saying here. But Richard, here's my question. What do I do on the days I can't be bothered praying? Richard, what do I do? I've had a busy day, it's been full, I've been distracted, and I just can't be bothered. And I think, oh, why bother? The last time I prayed, nothing happened. What is the point of praying? Is there any real point? And usually you're in that position because way back here, your priorities started to drift a little. And prayer was no longer a priority. And time with him slipped down your list of important things to do that day. And before you know it, intimacy with him, moments of awe, moments of renewal and refreshment were only a memory and you can no longer be bothered and apathy and indifference are determining your day. And your prayer is nothing but shallow superficiality. Ever been there? Ever wrestled with that? Let me try and answer your question. Change the question a little, but answer it at the same time. What do you do in those moments on Sunday morning when you can't be bothered coming to church? What do you do then? How do you respond? When you justify it in your mind, I've had a busy week, it's been full and demanding, this is my only day off, I'm so tired. I'm sure you've heard the story about the wife saying to her husband, come on, if you don't get up in the next five minutes, we're going to be late for church. He says, yeah, sure, I'll be up in a minute. And he turns over and she goes about the day making breakfast, getting organized, getting the kids up. And she shouts up the stairs again, Honey, you're running late. Come on. The kids are up and getting ready. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he turns over again. And eventually she comes up the stairs and says, What's wrong? And he said, I just, I just can't be bothered going today. She says, But you have to go. I don't want to go. When I go, no one speaks to me. They hold me at arm's length. I never get anything out of it. Why on earth should I go? And she says, but honey, you're the pastor. You have to go. (laughs) Ever put up excuse after excuse? Of course we have. Gone through those moments that your prayer is dry and shallow and going nowhere. 
Well, I would have to tell you in my experience, and possibly in yours as well, it's when I then dig deep and double down, and I open up my heart like Psalm 10, when the psalmist, in essence, and I'm paraphrasing, says, Lord, why am I praying? You never answer. What on earth is going on? Why would you treat me this way? And he's going through a difficult time of prayer. But by the end of the psalm, and so often in the psalms, you discover this, that when he focuses on the ineffable character and nature of God, then his heart is warmed. Then the glory of God washes over him afresh. Then his soul is stirred. Then dedication, perseverance is birthed and encouraged. That's what happens. Because the psalmist like us knows this. No prayer, no power. No prayer, no perseverance, no prayer, no maturity, no time spent with him becomes dry and shallow and routine. That's what Paul is calling this young church to Ephesus. That's what he's calling them to. And he's saying to them, my prayer for you is the greatest prayer I could offer that God would grant you wisdom and revelation that you might know him better and he would open the eyes of your heart that you would sense him in all of his wonder and intimacy and glory. That's what's going on. And maybe this morning our prayer should be exactly that. Father, in this new week, In this new month, do a real, lasting, permanent work in my soul in order that I would establish patterns of prayer so that I might know you better. Patterns of prayer that will grant to me character and maturity. Refine me, change me, take me to that deeper level. That's a resolution worth having. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture this morning. And enable us in the week that lies ahead to feel and sense once again that intimate engagement with you, the living God. May your presence wash over us Your spirit confront and convict us. Your words speak into our lives. Change our fickle affections and retune our heart and soul that this year would be a year of walking closely with you. Father, bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.